welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Getting your two cents worth in on the renewable fuel standard. I'm your host, John Davis. Ever since the EPA proposed its rule for the new renewable fuel standard, RFS2, back in May, the agency has gotten an earful from many of those upset with what is being proposed. Among those particularly unhappy with RFS2 are National Biodiesel Board CEO Joe Job and Renewable Fuels Association President and CEO Bob Deneen. Job says the feds are using the wrong baseline numbers that threaten to cut most of the domestically produced biodiesel out of the standard. The elements that are not predictions, that are known quantifiable uh, data, are actually wrong. So, for example, they start out with uh, baseline diesel fuel compared with baseline biodiesel. They use the best possible uh, scenario for diesel fuel going back to 2005. As we know, uh, petroleum is a finite resource, uh, and it and its uh, exploration uh, is uh, becomes more energy intensive over time. Uh, you have to go into deeper wells and deep water wells. Um, go into places that uh, can't be gotten. So it, uh, energy intensity of petroleum gets increases over time, while energy intensity of biofuels decreases over time. The EPA uh, assumed the opposite of that. Uh, and while the biodiesel industry produced 700 million gallons of biodiesel in 2008, the EPA assumed a baseline level for biodiesel at uh, something like 300 million gallons. Um, So just the very baseline assumptions that are actually known quantifiable data is wrong from the get-go. So then they put layered incremental assumptions uh, in their analysis to try to predict the future. And if we can't uh, if we can't rely on the data that's actually known, and, and they start out with, uh, with incorrect data, uh, there's no way to, to uh, rely on their incorrect assumptions. Deneen agrees that the assumptions the EPA is using are wrong, especially that the only reason for a renewable fuel standard is a reduction of global warming emissions. While the greenhouse gas reductions... Uh, is one of the unique and and certainly one of the very important goals of the RFS. It's not the sole purpose. In fact, reducing America's dependence on foreign oil was part of the Energy Security Act, uh, providing economic opportunity and job creation and supporting rural communities. Those were all equally important goals of the Energy Independence and Security Act. And just generally, you know, we're a bit concerned that EPA appears to be ignoring those objectives as it pursues greenhouse gas reductions based on unproven theory. Uh, And that's really our our most fundamental objection to what EPA is pursuing here. And both men have some real issues with the controversial indirect land use proposal. International indirect land use chains simply should not be included. We believe strongly that EPA is overreaching in interpreting congressional intent when it comes to the indirect impacts of the RFS. Congress did not intend to penalize America's ethanol producers for decisions made by farmers and governments in other countries. To the extent that EPA does evaluate indirect land use change, it has to update several assumptions 
that is currently assessed by EPA significantly overstate the greenhouse gas impact of biofuels. The RFA has developed volumes of research that demonstrate by properly accounting for increased yields, for the true value of distiller's feed, and fully accounting for all of the available crop land in this country, there's virtually no international land use impact, and the carbon footprint of ethanol is extraordinarily positive. And Deneen adds that the amount of land needed to be put into ethanol production to meet upcoming RFS goals is only 2.2 million acres by the year 2022. Only one-half of 1% 1 of current U.S. cropland or one-tenth of 1% 1 of croplands worldwide. Job says in its proposal, the EPA is making some very wrong assumptions, including giving biodiesel no credit for the co-products, such as glycerin it produces, using outdated energy inputs for biodiesel, and penalizing soy-based biodiesel because soybeans take nitrogen out of the air and put it into the ground, which is actually a good thing for typical crop rotation with corn. If you add those three things, those three errors, back into the EPA's analysis and you leave all of the rest of the worst-case scenario uh, assumptions and methodology in place, just those three errors uh, bring uh, biodiesel's life cycle greenhouse gas benefit back up from 22% up to 62%, which, of course, exceeds the 50%. If you... If you take into uh, effect just uh, then the indirect land use assumptions that, that were clearly errors, um, just as an example, um, they assumed that uh, all trees have an infinite life cycle and live forever. Uh, and, of course, we know that trees have a life cycle. They, they die. There are fires. There are other disturbances that would happen regardless of what happened with biofuels, uh, yet they, they just assumed that all trees live forever and all of those carbon uh, emissions are applied to biodiesel. Clearly a flawed, uh, a flawed uh, conclusion. Uh, another example is that, they, that uh, when there is deforestation, uh, that they assumed that the entire forest was burned, that there's no logging, that, that valuable hardwoods uh, were not logged and turned into lumber and furniture and other things where the carbon stayed sequestered. So that's clearly not a that's clearly not a reasonable assumption. So when you just uh, when you just correct those clearly uh, flawed assumptions and and quantifiable data, that brings our score up from 62 percent up to in excess of 99 percent better than petroleum diesel. So why has the EPA gotten it so wrong? That is an excellent question, and, and uh, I really don't know. We're, we worked with the EPA to try to provide them uh, data and information. Um, they, uh, they, clearly didn't, uh, they clearly didn't take all of that input. They have assured us and the public that they are going to uh, be open to input and uh, and. and reasonable science, and so we're going to take them at face value, we're going to hold them accountable to that standard, uh, and we're going to make sure that, uh, that sound science is only used and not just, uh, just flawed, uh, flawed assumptions that actually defy common sense. But Deneen says there is time to correct the problems with the RFS, too. It's 
our hope that that EPA is going to take a serious look at these comments, uh, and we believe it's it's vitally important that EPA get this program right, not simply get it done fast. The agency right now is suggesting that they want to have a final rule out uh, still by the first of the year, and that's a laudable goal. Uh, but I think it's going to be awfully hard, and we think it's more important uh, that. Uh, they get it right, then they get it fast. And Joe believes the agency will get the problems with the proposal corrected, but is asking for an interim notice in the meantime to bring some stability to the biodiesel industry. Because the biodiesel industry just simply cannot withstand any further delays. The lack of a program, uh, you know, the, the, but the biodiesel industry has been suffering from just the slowdown in the economy, the drop-off in diesel demand, uh, but on top of that, the message that this uncertain policy situation sends is has really served to to hamper the industry to sort of lock down the industry while uh, the market figures out what the government's going to do and so we're really strongly urging the EPA to enter to issue an interim notice that that helps to govern this program to get this program going and they can do that very easily with uh, with existing authority, uh, and we're we're hopeful they'll do that. And both Deneen and Job are appreciative of the comments from the public. Eight thousand for the National Biodiesel Board's website alone, and hope things will get changed before the rule is implemented. I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.